So good morning, everybody. Welcome to Daily Devotions. Uh, my name is Lloyd, and this morning I'll be continuing our series as we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, and the practical application that that has on our lives today. And this morning I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20, that deal with the topic of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, something that is a core part of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. You know, the, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the major themes uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians in the sense that it was vital for the Apostle Paul to address this issue around this topic with the church. The entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15, in fact, is devoted to this idea. And again, the reason being is that there was some incorrect thinking about the resurrection that had infiltrated into the church, uh, more than likely as a result of the cultural influences around the city of Corinth at the time. And the Apostle Paul was setting the record straight, as he does with so much else in this letter, by explaining the nature, the purpose, and the implication that the resurrection of Jesus has on the Christian faith. And in context, it's always important to, to bear in mind that the, that the prevailing culture of the time of this church in Corinth was largely influenced by secular Roman scholars and Greek philosophers. And in particular, in Corinth, the Greek philosophers would have had a big role to play in how people would have viewed things like spirituality and the meaning of life in general. And for instance, one of the commonly accepted ways of thinking, I discovered this in, in researching a bit of the scripture and, and this letter, um, one, of the, one of the commonly accepted ways of thinking amongst these philosophers was that all things uh, that are spiritual are important. In fact, only things that are spiritual are, are important. And so consequently, matter and material things are seen as unimportant or not even existing at all. Almost as if spiritual things were trapped inside material things. And so for them, for these kind of philosophers, there would have been no point to a resurrection because we're all spiritual anyway, according to their worldview. And so who kind of cares what happens to the physical body? It would almost have made no sense. It would have been immaterial to them. And I suppose this is the common view in some of, of the uh, cultures around the world at the moment, if we look at it. And, you know, there's some similar points. So that kind of makes the Apostle Paul's declaration, which we'll get to in a moment, that much more important in its impact and its relevance for us today. And so for the church, their understanding of the resurrection could have been tainted with the streak of disregard for the significance and power and relevance of the resurrection of Christ our Savior from the dead. And of course, you know, for the, for the secular historians and the scholars, those on the academic side, people simply didn't just rise from the dead. You know, that wasn't something that just happened. So for them, it, it was obviously something that they regarded as false or incorrect. So it's in the midst of these two prevailing schools of thought that the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, let me tell you how important this is to the Christian faith. And he makes some radical statements to challenge these worldviews with the biblical worldview. And so let's have a look at verses 12 to 20 together uh, as, the, as the Apostle Paul addresses the church with this concern. He says, now if, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, if he is. So already he's starting and he's saying that, you know, this is the message that we that we proclaim to you. This is the gospel that we declared. We said that, that Christ has been proclaimed as raised. So he says, if Christ is, pro, is proclaimed, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? So he says, if the truth is that Christ was raised, how did that happen if there is no such thing as a resurrection? You know, how, where did this kind of thinking come from is the question that he's asking because it's contradictory to the gospel that he preached to them when he, when he planted that church. 
He then builds on it and he says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false, false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, who we did not raise up if in fact the dead are not raised. He kind of makes this argument. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He's saying, look, if this fundamental truth about the resurrection is false, then everything is in vain. Moreover, he says, then we're also false witnesses because he leans, so he leans heavily on this, on this fact that, that people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. You know, we read the wonderful story in, in the Gospels where Jesus meets his disciples that have gone back to their occupation, which was being fishermen. And he meets them on the beach and he's got this, this uh, fire going with, with bread and some fish and he has this meal with them. So, you know, so he's kind of saying, if that has not happened, then all of our, all of our work, all of our efforts, all of our proclamations are in vain. And he kind of concludes in and says rather directly in, in addition to this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. It's a really hopeless situation if this, if this idea about the resurrection not, not having taken place is, is, is true. He's, he, he says, those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. It's a really, really strong statement saying that if we do not have a view of eternity with Christ because of there not being a resurrection, if there is no hope of life after death through that, giving us newness of life when we die, if there is no anchor for the soul that goes beyond just the world that we can see, then we really need to be pitied because that is the, the essence of what Paul's gospel was all about, that we do have a future. We do have an anchor for the soul. We do have a life after death through the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and Paul wasn't proclaiming something temporary that has nothing to offer us. He has been proclaiming something eternal, the resurrection of Jesus that breaks the power of death. And so we have this kind of clear sense of the argument that Paul is making here, right? And then he kind of ends off this address. He ends off by, by throwing away the if statements. He throws away the if statements and he declares boldly in the face of this cultural confusion and the prevailing philosophy what the actual truth about Christ is. And he says this in verse 20, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus has become the example of what will happen to those who are found in him. That is, when we die, we too will be raised a new creation. The mortal would have been clothed with immortality, as he goes on to say in one of his other letters. The body that was subject to decay will now be, will now never perish or fade. Death has been destroyed through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And God will bring us back to life too. And we will live for eternity with him. Friends, as we know this to be the case, that the power of the Christian faith rests on the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Therefore, paving a way for us to follow after him, if that is the case, which we know it is, if we are going to spend eternity with him, if there is another life on the other side of this world, and if we are in eternal covenant with God and with one another, it makes us change the perspective within us, doesn't it? It poses some questions that we can ask ourselves today. And this is the takeaway that I want to leave with us. How do we view our relationships now, friends, in view of eternity? How do we view our earthly responsibilities in light of an eternal future? How do we spend our time and our treasures here on earth? 
How do we speak and act towards one another and towards those who are not yet in the faith when we consider eternity with or without God waiting on the other side of this life? And ultimately, who are we living for? Who are we really living for with a picture of this everlasting life to enjoy sitting in the background? And maybe this morning we have had a refreshing and a renewing of mind to examine ourselves in the faith and ask of the Lord in light of this truth that he would guide our every waking moment with a determination to live for and invest into that which will last forever. For as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. It affects everything that we do and everything that we are. So I hope that encouraged you this morning. Let's take a moment to pray together as we head on out with the rest of our day. Father, we thank you so much that we can place our hope and our faith securely in the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you, God, that by doing that, you conquered death. You conquered our greatest enemy and you have paved a way for us to live in eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your resurrection. Thank you that today... Two, you are bringing new things to life in us. Old, old ways are, are gone, Father. We don't have to live that way anymore. We can live in newness of life now and with you in eternity because of that fact. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide us, change our perspective, give us an eternal view of things that we might live um, honoring you with everything that we are today, Father. Thank you so much that you are for us, Lord. Thank you that you beckon us closer by your grace. And we pray that as we walk by your grace, keeping in step with the Spirit, that we would be transformed more and more into your image. For that's the image that we want to carry, the image of Christ, and not of the things of this world and not even of our past. We want to, we want to carry the image of Christ. And thank you that as we do that, more and more people will see you and, and receive you for the Savior that you are. And Jesus, we just honor you and we thank you so much for your blessing over this day. And we walk in faith and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.